at the intersection of ideas and action. This is Longitude Soundbites, where we bring innovative insights from around the world directly to you. My name is Tony Zhou, and I'm a Longitude Fellow from Yale University. Today, I have the pleasure of presenting this soundbite by Naeem Altaf. Naeem is an IBM Distinguished Engineer and the Chief Technology Officer of IBM Spacetech and IBM Cloud. In our first episode of the Edge of Space series, Naeem and I discuss his goal of democratizing and increasing accessibility to space, lifelong learning, and adopting the mindset of a builder. We start our conversation with Naeem sharing the inception of the Endurance Project. We were looking at different projects to for space tech, and one of the projects which we and we can talk about that later was the edge computing we did on International Space Station for DNA sequencing. So while we were working on projects, I wanted to always look for the angle tech for good, something we can give back to the society and you know help kids and future generations, and basically inspire our next generation. So I was looking around. Okay, you know what can be really cool stuff where the people can relate to what's happening on the ground because right now if you from technology point of view you probably hear a lot about 5g networks edge computing everybody's probably familiar with tesla the autonomous cars the future of ev and all that stuff right so we were like okay now uh, that's all edge computing let's take edge computing to the next level how can we do edge computing in space and that's where our uh, the DNA sequencing on space station project happened. But on the other side, we were like, okay, it would be really cool if we launch our first mission from IBM's point of view in space. It's a totally nonprofit, and we then open the access to every kid in the world, everybody. The thing is, my background is computer science, so I'm not an astrophysicist, or nothing to do with this uh, aerospace industry. But you know. Programming is everywhere. Everything you touch is programmed. So it means that you know you can be relevant in in those industries as a programmer. So uh, trying to understand what does it take to launch this satellite, and, and there's a very 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 good guidebook from NASA. If you just Google NASA CubeSat 101, it's like a hundred page book. Brilliant. It's it's written in detail of A to Z. What what are all the regulatory requirements, what it takes to get something to launch, all this stuff, right? I went through that list and I started talking to the people in the industry. I was like, hmm, it's not that easy. Technology is the easier part. The challenging part is all the logistics, all the you know approvals you need, all the paperwork you have to do. That is a lengthy process. And then of course the cost also to put stuff in the space. So if living in these modern countries in, in, in the Western world, if it's so challenging here, imagine the developing nations, Africa and Asia and all these countries, right? How hard it will be for them. From there, we started this CubeSat mission and we named it Endurance because you know the times we are going through in the past couple of years with all this pandemic. So let's go and work together, put a CubeSat in space, and then we open it to everyone. And that's where it came all from together. CubeSat is made up of several basic components like antennas, right, for communications. Then you have the uh, solar panels, that's to, you know, so you can gain power. And then you have computers because you have to you know, run stuff inside. And then you have the uh, bunch of other sensors like magnetometer, sun sensors, larger sensor. And then one very common sensor, which most of these satellites have is a camera. 
majority of these uh, satellites which are in the low Earth orbit. The low Earth orbit is around 1,000 kilometer. It's a range between 500 to 1,000 kilometer. So most of these satellites, they are designed to look at the Earth and do observation for multiple purposes, right? The, the climate stuff and the health, the glaciers, the deforestation, all those things. And then you have now Starlink. And that's also to provide the communications because the network latency is low. So yes, we have a bunch of sensors over there. And the way it will work is we will have a portal up on IBM's cloud. So if I am a kid sitting anywhere in the world, I just go on the site and we will give you the specs how to you know, write your Python code. It will be in Python language, relatively very easier language than others. So you write your code and you submit and we will take your piece of code test it out and then push it to the ground station and the ground station will beam up to the uh, CubeSat. So now your code, which you wrote, is actually on the CubeSat running there. And our CubeSat will be using Raspberry Pi 4 as a compute platform. So your, your code will run there. It will interact with different sensors, which, which will tell you, you can take a picture and then the results will come back and will be, you know, be available to you. I think that's very uplifting and, you know, that's really cool stuff, right? That you can do something sitting in those remote areas and push report to, to space. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was not thinking about doing stuff like this as a kid. So it's, it's really cool to hear about. Were you always interested in space? Because you, you mentioned, you know, your computer science background. And so when you did immerse yourself in this, how did you assemble either a team or mentors or peers around you to help you with this mm -hmm. idea? Space, uh, I mean, I think space is something which fascinates many, many people around the world. So it has always been fascinating to, you know, look at the skies at night and see all these planets. But again, the opportunities are limited because it's very challenging. It costs a lot to be in part of this, you know, in this industry to do something. Five years ago, I got an opportunity to work with NASA Frontier Development Lab Program. It's ran by SETI Institute. Basically, it's like an incubation lab where they come up with, like they define these five or six different tough problems which NASA scientists give to them. And then they get people from all over the world, from the prestigious universities like Oxford and these different colleges solve this problem. So I got the opportunity to work with them as, a, as an IBM sponsor, as a mentor with them. And they all were like astrophysicists, PhDs and this and that, all that stuff. I'm like, you know what? There's room for computer scientists also here. So I, I might not be able to, you know, create those very sophisticated algorithms, but to run those algorithms, you need all the programming behind it to do that. So you can have a very sharp mathematician, a physicist, right? Who is building all this stuff. Then you can take that and create simulations. Mm -hmm. And that's where the programmers and computer scientists come into picture. And if you have interest, while you're working with them, you will start learning how they do it, what they're doing, right? So the, the thing is, you have to reinvent yourself because every six months, there is a new technology. There's so much happening in the world, right? So if you're curious, if you are, if you want to learn more, right, you have to keep on reinventing. So don't think that today, I let's say I graduated with XYZ degree and I joined this company that you will be there or you will be doing that stuff, right? If you are curious and if you have a, bigger picture of how the what's happening in the industry you will keep on re-innovating yourself and learning the basic element is learning that's mm. it right. so don't get don't bound yourself to just you know what degree you got i mean if you got that degree it means that 
you have the ability to learn, right? You can learn more things. You don't have to just stick with one thing. Right. You mentioned how like the, the fundamental thing or, or the thing that connects you to everything is being able to program. Yes. Um, you know, I, I totally agree how one should be very flexible and always be willing to change. Um, but at the same time, w- would you agree that like you also need to have like a foundational core set of skills that then allows you to pivot anywhere? Definitely. That you need to have the skills. I mean, the first of all, you have to have an attitude of a builder. Mm-hmm. You, you need to have that attitude that, that I'm an inventor, I'm a builder, and not a consumer. Majority yeah. of the world today is consumer with their phones, right? Yeah, yeah. There's consumers, right? So if you are a consumer, you as an individual, as a society, as a nation, you will never be able to go up because you're just waiting for somebody to feed you something and you just use them. Look at all the previous nations. The only nations who went up and who have their golden period, right? Because they were inventors. They were inventing new things. And then once you leave that, then you just go down the cycle, right? And now there are other nations who picks us up. And now, you know, you see US did for last 70, 80 years. And now you see China taking the lead in that day, right? And that's all because they, they are producing researchers. They have people who can build things, right? So you have to have that core skill of building something. Mm-hmm. Once you have that core skill, sky is the limit. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. And all future is programming, right? In any industry you go. But then there's basic programming. Then there is vertical, high-skilled area, right? So AI is like a skilled area. So, so you build your three to five years of strong foundation of programmer as a programmer. Now you see in a world, I like AI, VR, AR stuff. I want to go into gaming industry or I want to go into aerospace and work on their you know, simulations or I want to go into biotech. You can now go, whatever you like, the industry vertical, now you can go there, right. right? Because you have the skill to build and you have an interest. So now both things will come together, your skill and your interest. And now the job will be fun. Yeah. These are very uh, research intensive fields that, that you've just mentioned. Like, do you mm-hmm. think students need advanced degrees such as like PhDs to, to be impactful and to contribute? Again, it, it depends what your, what your goal is. PhD is always good. I mean, if you have to go and do like really deep groundbreaking breakthrough stuff, be it the, the more knowledge, the more education you have, it will help you. But that also means a lot of commitment. So you need to know yourself. It's like, for, for example, when I went to UT Austin, I exactly knew that I wanted a computer science degree and I'm going to graduate in this semester, like two, two and a half, three years from now. I did not pivot in the middle. You see a lot of students, you probably notice, right? They start, then they do this and do this and this, right? Okay. Now you're just wasting time and money. The most important thing you're wasting is time. The time is the most crucial thing, especially 20 to 30. This is the most critical time of your life, these 10 years. So the thing is, we live in a very privileged society. If you have traveled outside US back in the East, right? You see how challenging the life is over there, right? So that's what I tell my kids too. If you live in this privileged society where you have everything, not to have to think about water, electricity, right? Right? I mean, if the people in the East, they have an excuse because they have 
they have so many challenges which you can't even think of every single day mm-hmm. right so for them struggle you know you can explain that but over here where everything is you're sitting there everything is for you you just click a button and amazon drops a box in 24 hours right yeah. everything is in your hand and you still can't achieve something it's a shame yeah i i remember um so i I read uh this book by Dr. Kai Fu Lee on uh like the uh-huh. superpowers and there's a section in his book where he mentions how when he went back to China to speak to give lectures they would be packed and then when he would walk the halls uh you know because of the the sort of little amount of resources he saw around the school um yes. I think like there was like a curfew around 9 or 10 the lights would go off and then the students would go outside to use the street light to study and that's like something you don't hear of in in the western world because like we 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 are so privileged with um yes on the resources that we have so yeah so yeah i, I think that, that's it i mean you, you it comes from insight right that if you from very early age or even in this age right you develop that you know i i'm going to be a builder i'm going to go and build things then your whole attitude will change because then you are in this ever learning mode till the time you go away from this world right that's mm-hmm. what the purpose is to keep learning every day if you stop learning you will stop mm-hmm. and not everybody has that will power right. right but if you have those then you will do great things right you've mentioned topics uh like machine learning ai which will you know eventually just make huge impact in our society but what about yes. quantum technology and, and how that <laughs> in itself in? quantum is like it's it's a monster it's some it's just waiting to be unleashed i mean the things which are, you know again the thing is technology is not bad it becomes interesting in whose hands it goes into that's the thing right ai is not bad but if it's in wrong hand then yes it is bad the thing which fascinates me is think about all the innovation they are doing today in terms of compute storage networks where is that being used for majority of that is being used for all the wrong stuff the social media and all the other things mm-hmm. think about it you you you're creating these gigantic data centers and what do they have it has billions of videos and pictures and it's like really so we built all this innovation for this kind of stuff right okay the quantum is probably 10 years away there is a lot of hype in the industry and yeah commercial companies will do that but it's still far away if you are a smart programmer and you love programming for you you need to start with quantum computing right now right now ibm has this a uh, quantum freely available for public like you can just log on to ibm just type ibm quantum in google search it you will be able to get your account and you can start programming in python it's a great start do the in next 5 years you will be so far ahead than anybody else because quantum is going to happen right it will happen and i think the quantum where quantum will shine of course wherever the money is okay commercial and only follows the money so the money is in biotech the money is in financial services right so whatever major challenges are there they're going to put the quantum there so they can make money that's how it works so going back to the endurance project that you know you're currently working on what what is something that has been most unexpected to you you mean in this uh, in this particular project or just in general in space 
like stuff. Sure, just just space stuff. Yeah, um, okay. yeah things. Yeah, things that you you didn't expect to happen that either surprised you in a positive way, in a negative way. Like, so when we are working as a as a as a computer scientist in this you know tech industry, things moves very very fast. I mean, you see how fast the technology moves and stuff is happening and all this thing. But when we talk about space, and for the good reasons, things don't move that fast because one failure in launch, your company is done, is bankrupt. They're gone. Uh, I didn't expect it because this is not my background, aerospace, right? I hope that things move a little bit more faster, right? But they don't. And I learned why they don't. There is, right? Sort of like we invent something and we say, you know what? This is it. You have to keep on pushing. There's more you can do with that. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that, so the challenges are like in this industry, but it's it's changing rapidly now. It's it's changing quite a bit. Like we have to do things faster. So yeah, so I think it was the, it was mostly the the speed and the, I would say the logistics, like mm-hmm. how much paperwork and everything you have to do, yeah. right? And how so those are the few things. But I think yeah, the industry is opening up now. Mm-hmm. It seems like base industry is is becoming more and more competitive, and Though you you say it is slow moving now, things are getting faster because of the the cost to make certain resources have have decreased. But also, it, it just seems like like you you still have that youthful exuberance and that energy. <laughs> and just just hearing you talk, so when do you take time to just relax a little? But but also at the same time, let your mind wander so that you can come up with new ideas and and how do you do that one thing is from a very early age i always wanted to understand the big picture always how does it work from a to z because most of the time what happens in programming is they say you know what 20 year old programmer go and work on this component you will work on that component for five years and you have no clue what it does for the whole thing you just you're happy that your thing compiles works i know no right everything yeah I want to know everything. Like, okay, if this fits there. What's the whole? What's the whole platform? What's the whole yeah. thing? Right. As you grow older, you learn more and more stuff, and you're like, okay, you know, I could have done that also in my life. But <laughs> then I also believe you can do things anytime in your life. Yeah. Anytime because it's constant learning. Yeah. So the other area which I always love now is political science. Okay. Because what political science is a very interesting subject. First of all, it's tied to the history, to the culture. Right, it's not only politics. You learn everything, and then you see what's happening in the world. Why the, these things are happening in certain way? That's what political science gives you. Once you have a bigger picture, then things starts making sense. So, so I, that's what I like. I, I, I try to see the bigger picture. Yeah. And I, I, you know, whenever I'm free, I'm reading books and trying to read about history and always keeping an eye on the political side of the world, what's happening, because that helps you a lot. In understanding. Okay. Yeah. So you just kind of like attend to your hobbies and, and, you know, just let your mind. Okay. The bottom line is learning new things. That's it. The Edge of Space series is an opportunity for its listeners to learn more about the exciting innovations in space. In part one of this two-part interview, we heard how much Naeem emphasized lifelong learning. After building a strong foundation in computer science, Naeem aimed to create impact in the space industry. I hope our listeners find inspiration from hearing his journey from humble beginnings to space tech expert. For me, 
His journey is an uplifting example of what is possible when imagination, planning, and willpower are aligned and appropriately executed. We hope you enjoyed today's segment. Please feel free to share your thoughts over social media and in the comments, or write to us at podcast at longitude.site. We would love to hear from you. Join us next time for more unique insights on Longitude Soundbites.